Welcome to Four Points Online. We are so honored that you're with us here today. And if God has used this ministry to change your life, we want to hear about it. So go to fourpoints.org slash mystory and tell us. You know what, it's because of your generosity that we are able to expand the kingdom. If you want to give and be a part of what God's doing here at Four Points, go to our website and choose the safe and secure option. Or you can download our app and give there as well. And now we are so excited about hearing a powerful word from God today. Today I'm really excited to do our eighth part of this series. And I believe for some of you it's going to be the best one. Because I think for where you are in your lives, it will be so on point. So, so perfect for where you are today because it's dealing directly with your future and what God has for you and how easy it is to miss it. And so we've kind of led with all this, your destiny in Christ and all of this stuff. But today, looking at Jacob, I'm sorry, I went the wrong way, Jacob and Esau, these two characters are so fascinating in the Bible because Abraham is like, y'all grew up in church, some of you, and so you know the song, Father Abraham has many sons, many sons. So, Y'all keep singing because I like I'm one of them. So are you. So there you go. Uh, so Isaac is the son. And then the son after that are two. And it was Jacob and, and Esau. And what's fascinating about this is every father in the time of the Old Testament especially, but really, really all the way up, every father dreamed about the firstborn. If you watch stuff about kingdoms, it was the firstborn. It was always the firstborn. The firstborn son was the rightful heir, the firstborn son. And, and the firstborn son got something different than the other sons would get, or daughters. Everybody in a rich family got an inheritance. Everybody say inheritance. And, and so it's important to know that everybody gets an inheritance back in the day. And so it wasn't like they were going to be with nothing. But the firstborn got the birthright. And the birthright was a huge deal because it was at least double the inheritance. And it could be doubled from that. So you can, in essence, get four times what everybody else was getting. And you were put in a seat of honor. You were put in the place of importance. You were the one that was going to take on your daddy's lineage and the one that was going to get the name right. That, that you wanted to be the firstborn. And so whenever twins came out, which is what these two were, that's what you're fighting over. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Genesis 25, and we're going to roll through this story because I love the story of Jacob and Esau. And Jacob, whenever God spoke in the Old Testament, he said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not Esau. But it should have been the other way around, and we're going to look at why it wasn't today. Genesis 25, starting in verse 24, says, When her, meaning Rebecca, days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. Y'all good so far? The first came out red. <laughs> Y'all ever read the Bible and go, dang, like they're, <laughs> they were for real when they were writing this. Dude was red and his body was like a hairy cloak. Now, some of y'all had kids that had a bunch of hair. I've, I've seen them, and they came out with a hairy head. This was not Esau. He did have hair on his head, but according to this, he looked like a Yeti. <laughs> when he was born, that's weird, y'all. If y'all don't think that's weird, I don't know what's going on with y'all. But, but it said that he looked like a Yeti when he came out. He was a baby Yeti. And so they called him Esau, Harry. That's literally what it means. Praise God, I want to be called Harry. That's awesome. And then afterwards, his brother came out. And it says that 
His brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel. The name Jacob means heel grabber. So I almost titled this message Harry and the Heel Grabber, but I decided not to. <laughs> so his name was called Jacob, and Isaac was 60 when she bore them. How many of y'all are 60 and you wish you could have a kid right now? If y'all are 60 and you're having a kid, I'm sorry. I don't even know what to say to you. I love you and praise God for your kid, but shoo, that emptiness, you're going to be old. <laughs> All right, so he was 60, and he had his twins. And it says, when the boys grew up, Esau saw, was a skillful hunter and a man of the field, while Jacob just chilled at the house, right, dwelling in tents. He played video games all day while his brother was out hunting and doing his thing. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate his game. I think that's a really sad line right there, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but the reason that he loved him wasn't because of how awesome he was, but because he cooked him good food. And that'll give you a complex if the only reason that the people love you is because of what you do. But Rebecca loved Jacob, and so we already got a problem, right? Mama loves young boy, daddy loves older boy, and we got this, this rivalry going. Once, when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that stew. It sounds, it looks good. I'm exhausted. Listen, this is so important and I don't want you to miss it. It says, therefore, his name was called Edom. He was the father of the Edomites, maybe the greatest rival to the dynasty of Israel. And it's because of what's about to happen in our story. He was called Edom. And so verse 31 says, Jacob said... All right, I'm going to give you this stew, so sell me your birthright. I don't get a birthright because I'm not the firstborn, so I want you to sell me yours. Now, when you read this story, you should think to yourself, that's dumb. It's a bowl of soup, and it wasn't even good soup. It was gross. And it says, Esau said, I'm about to die. What use is my birthright to me, drama queen? And Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and bean soup. He didn't get Campbell's chunky soup, y'all. He didn't get hungry man soup. He got bean soup. And some of y'all might love bean soup, but not for your birthright. And, and he ate it and drank and rose and went by, excuse me, and went his way. And it says, thus Esau despised his birthright. And so the title of today's message is A Bowl for a Birthright. This is my bowl. Y'all like it? A bowl. Thank you for liking it, Kelly. That's good. It's a bowl for a birthright. And I'm going to hit this bowl a lot today because it's funny. And it doesn't even make sense that you give up your entire birthright. Not just your inheritance, but your special inheritance because you were special. You were set apart. You were the one. You were the one that it should be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. You were set apart. You were the guy. And you gave all that up so you could get some beans. Can I just hit on that for a minute? Because this isn't part of the message and it's not in my notes, but I feel like I should hit it. Do y'all know what happens when you eat beans? I mean, it's rough now. It's some people that I may or may not work with whose name may rhyme with Austin. I do not need to eat bean soup, everybody, if you know what I'm talking about. It's weird. It's weird that you give up everything for bean soup. And we make fun of it and we joke. But the reality is all of us face the tension that Esau faced today, and I want you to see it. I want you to see three reasons why we sell our birthrights. 
while we sell our stuff, while we sell our inheritance in Christ Jesus. I want y'all to see this, and so I hope y'all will take notes and write these down because I really think they'll mean something to you as we go forward. Three reasons why we give up what's rightfully ours. Number one, we confuse skillful ability with spiritual maturity. We confuse what we're good at for being right in the Lord. And we answer people I wrote down this quote because this is not what it says in the Bible. This is what I've said before. When someone's come to me and challenged me in the way that they should, I've responded, I'm a grown man. Sometimes you can say, I'm a grown man, and maybe use an adjective in there, but we won't, we won't say what that word is because y'all never have cussed before, and I don't want to make it awkward for y'all because y'all are spiritual and I'm not. So I'm a grown man, and like, have, have none of y'all ever said that? I'm a grown man, don't talk to me that way. Look at what I do. Why is it quiet? None of y'all have ever thought this before? I've never thought, I see, praise the Lord. Y'all have never thought this. I see, here's the great thing about what I'm saying right now. No one's saying anything, but wives are pointing to their husbands right now. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Here's what we do, y'all, is we look at what we do, the skill, the craft that we do, and people brag on it, and then we say, well, look how good I am at I must be ready to receive what God has for me. This has nothing to do with that. As a matter of fact, I can live a complete lie based on what I do if it's not who I am. If who I am is not greater than what I do because of what Christ is doing in me. That's the change. That's when I look and say, I need you to change my circumstances so I can feel good, God. I'm a grown man. Never confuse what you do for who you are. Verse 27 says, when the boys grew up, Esau was good at this. He was skillful at hunting. A man of the field, while Jacob was just a quiet man dwelling in his tents. Can I show you all this? Esau learned to supply the food for everyone else's appetite, but could not manage his own appetite. Esau was the guy that everybody loved because he supplied their needs. His dad, it says, the Bible says his dad loved him because he gave him good game, good food to eat. And yet, in his own life, his desires, his appetite, that's what appetite means, y'all. His desires ran so wild that he couldn't control himself while he was feeding all of you. I'm telling y'all right now, that's the tension of our lives. I know none of y'all for your job stand up on a stage and preach to a church every single week. But that has nothing to do with our homes. And men, if, if the fathers of this place tell our kids what to do and provide for our families, but we can't control our own appetites, so we're out running off on our own desires while we're telling our kids what not to do, we're no different than Esau. Do y'all know that's most of the world? Do as I say, not do as I do. Isn't that the world that we live in? I'm not talking about y'all. I'm talking about us. I'm with you. Because one of the hardest things to manage is my own desires, my own appetites. What I see is what I want is what I get immediately. And it leads us to this level of confusion and frustration where we just want to throw our hands up and say, I'm done. I, I need y'all to listen to this because this is so important tied together and I want to keep rolling. If you can't get your appetites, your earthly desires under control, because the Lord fills your needs. Nothing else that I say is even going to matter. The rest of this stuff is good, but nothing else even matters. You've got to understand that everybody has natural desires, and some of those are great. But if they're not under control, if I let them control me, 
And I'm about to hit on what that means in just a second as we go to number two. But if you confuse your gift, your skill, what you're good at for who you are, you will let this, whatever your this is, decide who you are. And when people criticize you, you'll take it personal. When people praise you, you'll build yourself up. You'll live and die by everything that everyone says, and you'll be just like Esau, which leads to this. Number two, we confuse our wants with our needs because unsatisfied appetites, my desires, unsatisfied appetites become exaggerated emotions become exaggerated emotions. How many of y'all remember the Snickers commercials? You're not you when you're hungry. Come on. How do I miss my mouth, y'all? That is impossible. Y'all are allowed to laugh. I made the joke. Big old lips, and I somehow miss my lips. It's not even humanly possible. Leah (laughs) likes to joke when I'm in the car getting grumpy. If it gets to about 2 o'clock and I hadn't eaten, come on now, I'm just telling you. I always tell ladies when they're struggling with their husbands and we're in as, a, as the couple and me in the office, I'm like, listen, if you ain't fed them and you're trying to talk to them, that's, you, that's on you. I'm just telling, like, if you want to get a man to do something, you better feed them. I need some amens from the dudes in the room because y'all know what I'm talking about. If, if you come at me hungry, I'm coming at you swinging. Because if we just... I mean, I, I don't know. I just turned into a crazy person. And Leah always, she, I think she YouTubes the videos so she can remember the Snickers commercials and be like, look at who you've become. Maybe you need a Snickers bar. <laughs> the reality is uh, my, when my desires and even my belly are unsatisfied, I get this emotional craziness and I start saying things and doing things I never would otherwise. Like Esau, look what he said. This is crazy, y'all. I mean, Esau was not about to die. Can I just tell y'all that? You can go 40 days without food. And Esau had been 20 minutes. And dude was like, hey, help me. We say it all the time. It's so hot, I'm dying out here. Help me. This might be the big one. Y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. Hashtag Fred Sanford. It says Esau said, I'm about to die. What use is my birthright? Now, I just need to stop for a minute and just talk about this. Let's just say, we have no idea how much the birthright was, but we know in today's coin it would have been in the millions because Jacob was very wealthy after Isaac. And we know it would have been been really huge. It would have been a lot. And and I'm looking at a bowl of soup, y'all. I mean, he didn't have filet. Because I guess if he'd had some kind of really good steak or some kind of food that you love, I mean, maybe. (laughs) How many of y'all know that when you go to a Brazilian steakhouse, have y'all ever been to a good Brazilian steakhouse? Let me see your hands. Y'all been to one? If y'all haven't, then y'all need to get saved today and go to a Brazilian steakhouse in Jesus' name. And if you're a vegan, I'm just going to pray for you. But I love you. I'm not mad at you if you want to not eat because I'll eat your steak. But anyway, if you go to a good one now, I'm telling you they're good. But did y'all, have y'all ever been in there and you walk in and there's a salad bar as big as this church? And they got everything. They got, I mean, it's like... Carb central. They got so many carbs. that they, Do you know why they do that? They want you to fill on the junk. They want you to fill up on all the stuff. And it's not even, like, some of it's fine. Y'all, y'all can like it. I don't care. But, like, it's, but it's not filet. It's not some ribeye that's medium rare that's still dripping. Come on, Jesus. That's good stuff. 
So when I'm filling up on the stuff because I got to get what I need now and I'm going to die if I don't get it, I better eat all that bread. I better eat all this other stuff. And then I, I skip the good stuff that's for me. It's no different than what we do in life. Because here's the thing. We put timetables on God all the time and tell him, I know you've got something for me. I know I have a great destiny in Christ. It needs to happen now, God. God doesn't work in our time. So every time that I tell him that, I'm picking up a bowl of beans and trading it for milk. Listen, it's so dumb. Does anybody in here have a really expensive car? I just need to know. Really expensive. You, you can, please don't be embarrassed. We're, we're all friends here. Does anybody have a really expensive car? I don't, so I can't be the, the... does anybody have a car that, that, that drives? Okay, praise the Lord. Someone just tell me what kind of car you have. Shout it out. Forerunner. All right, I'm going to trade you your forerunner for my four points pen. See, we both have four in it, so it seems like an easy trade. This pen, I think, I don't know how much it costs, but it's less than a dollar. We buy them by the thousands. And y'all got some at the house, so y'all have already got forerunners at your house because you take them home. <laughs> but how dumb is it? Like, if, if her forerunners paid for I'm not paying bills because that's just your birthright, not mine. Praise the Lord. So you get to keep paying the bills. If it's paid for, it's mine for my four points pen. Now, all of y'all would look at me and say, of course you'd make that trade. But how many of y'all would think that's a bad trade? Come on. People that aren't raising their hands, do you just not like participation points? <laughs> Look at your neighbor tell them bad trade. The reason that we would make a bad trade is because if you thought you were going to die if you don't get a pen, if I don't write this down, I'm going to die. Well, just remember it. I would eat my arm before I would give you my pen for a forerunner. Or vice versa, I'll probably give my pen for a forerunner. Before I would give up my car, before I would get, and this is much worse of a trade. And it's because we let our appetite start dictating. How many of y'all have ever been grocery shopping when you're hungry? That buggy's full. You don't need but three things. Your wife told you to get three things. Your list had three things on it. You come back with $187 of groceries. Your wife looks at you and says, what happened? It looked good. Or my favorite thing is we get a gift card to go to the movies. We love to go to the movies. We get a gift card to go to the movies. It costs us like $3 because the gift card or something. We go in there. And we haven't eaten beforehand because that's, that's the problem, right? You got to eat before you go to the movies. You don't eat beforehand. You spend $38 on popcorn and a drink. Everybody complains. I hear people all the time, movies cost so much now. No, the popcorn costs so much now. Like just, if we go to a ball game, we hadn't eaten before. You got to eat before you go in there because if you, especially on those hot football games, y'all know what I'm talking about. When you go in there and it's hot and the Gatorade or the Powerade costs four twenty-five. That joker is the same size as my water, and it costs $4, and they pay 37 cents for it. But you know what? It's a bad trade, but I got to get it because I think I'm going to die, and so we'll, spend, we'll buy four of them so that we don't pass out. We have spent $20 on Gatorade by the end of that game, and we wonder why we're broke. Because our appetites control us. Because we let that dictate what we're going to do. Now, I'm not saying that if you go to a game this year and you're about to pass out, you shouldn't buy a $4.25 Powerade. So don't pass out and say, my pastor said not to. <laughs> what I'm saying is we have to be smart. And we have to look big picture. Your life is not five minutes long. 
And the next decision that you make is important, but the next decision you make should not be so emotional that you can't look at a 35,000-foot view and say, this is not a wise decision for my children and my children's children. Imagine if Esau had even considered that he was going to have kids and grandkids someday, that he didn't have to be the Edomites, that he could be God's chosen, that he could have a powerful future, but instead he needed some beans that he would end up, you know what, now in a few minutes. And that's all he thought about because we let emotional decisions dictate our future. When our emotions dictate our decisions, we will do anything for just about anything, won't we? We'll do anything for just about anything. And we'll trade our birthrights for some doggone beans. Number three, we confuse now for most. We confuse what we want right this second for what God's put on our heart that we want the most. The temptation is to give up what our hearts desire for what we want right this second. For what we want right this second. Look at what the story says in Genesis 25. It says, Jacob, in verse 33, says, Swear to me. And he swore, whatever, I'll give up my birthright. And then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentils. This, this beans, this bowl of beans. And he ate and drank and rose and went away and Thus Esau despised his birthright. Y'all, it makes no sense to despise your birthright. And when we read this, we think, thank God I'm not that way. But in reality, a lot of us are that way because we think about our own lives and we think about, listen, 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 don't miss this, don't miss this, don't miss this. I'm about to show you why all of you have a birthright, not just an inheritance. And the reason that we begin to hate our own birthrights is because we think we'll never get there. I don't want to explain it yet because I'm going to get too far ahead. But in this story, no doubt Jacob was, was able to, to lure Esau in by showing him what he wasn't and by showing him how long it would take to get to where he wanted to go. And a lot of us have looked at our lives and we've compared ourselves to people the same age as us or a little bit older than us that are accomplishing such great things thinking that that has anything to do with me. It has nothing to do with me. I should celebrate them walking into their birthright, into their inheritance in Christ and never compare myself because God called Mark to be Mark and not to be any of those people. And I celebrate that they're walking in their destiny, but I am called to be different. I am called specifically to be God's man. You are called to be God's woman and God's man not anybody else you were made specifically and uniquely to do exactly what God called you to do and the second I'm willing to give that up is the second that that I want it now y'all it takes time to mature spiritually it takes time to walk into what God's called us into no matter how much earthly success you've had that is not always the same it's faithfulness the Bible says that obedience is greater than sacrifice and that all he requires of me is an open heart to serve him wholly by worshiping him with my whole heart. And and, and yet what I want to do is give God a list of all the things that I'm doing and tell him how great of things I'm accomplishing. Listen, at the end of my life, that's not what God's going to call faithfulness. God's going to call faithfulness radical obedience. And if the only thing I do is have a list for God and say, "Look look at this list, God. Like, you told me to start a church and I did. You're welcome. Hashtag, I did it. No, he doesn't care. Listen, God deeply cares for us, but that's not the list he's keeping. God wants to know if my whole heart is chasing after him because he sought me first. And when all I do is tell God what I'm doing or not doing, I miss the entire point of my inheritance and my first rights 
as a follower of Jesus. I try to manufacture it and make it happen. I try to speed up the process. I try to do all these other things at times, and it leads me to a mess. I need y'all to know this, and this is so important. The devil cannot take your birthright. Don't ever let someone say the devil stole what was rightfully mine. The devil cannot steal your joy. Joy is yours. Joy, unspeakable joy, is what's promised to you as a follower of Jesus. If your joy is gone, it's because you sold it for a bowl of beans. He can't take your peace. It is impossible. It is impossible for anyone to take your peace. Peace I give you, my peace I leave to you is what John 14 says. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not have fear. He goes and prepares a place for us. And he's going to come and get us again. But I can have peace and joy. There are so many other birthrights that I have as a follower of Jesus. But when I give them up, I oftentimes say, well, the devil made me do it. He didn't make me do nothing. I chose to give it up. If I live in a life that is full of turmoil, full of emotional turmoil, that I've allowed it for myself. That does not mean we won't face difficulty. That's what we talked about last week. We will face difficulty. But it does mean that I do not ever have to give those things up. It is mine. And the reason that so many of us walk around without peace is because we've decided that we can do it without him and we trade our birthright for a bowl of beans. He will try to trick us into giving up what's ours for right now, for whatever you want right now. And I could, man, I could really hit on this for a long time because the reality is the enemy hates a Jesus follower with peace. Do you know how much he hates it when you're facing turmoil and difficulty and you still find yourself full of the Holy Spirit's joy and peace? Oh, he hates it. So he'll do everything he can to lure you, including giving you success that you can't naturally have. But don't trade what's rightfully yours for what he can't have. Don't ever trade it. I want y'all to see this because I find it fascinating, and this is how I'm going to close So I'm asking y'all to lean in with me because I'm going to teach you just a little bit about birthrights as we land the plane today. Hebrews chapter 12 gives us this picture of Esau, and it's so sad, y'all. It gives us this picture. It says, Hebrews 12 verse 5, or 15, I mean, says, "See, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that that no root of bitterness, there's the fruit of the Spirit that is rooted in Christ, and then there's a root of other things, and it's bitterness from what you didn't get that you thought you should have, from what you did get that you, sh- you, did, that you thought you never should. Some of y'all have had abuse and abandonment. Some of y'all have had things happen in your life that you hate happen to you, and it rooted up this bitterness, and it says it springs up. This, this thing starts springing up from this root of bitterness, and it caused, and causes trouble, and by many become defiled, and it Many become defiled because of it, excuse me. That no one is sexually immoral or un, unholy. Look at what it says. Y'all say it out loud, like Esau. Isn't that fascinating that the author of Hebrews says, like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal? Like his name should be in the genealogy of Jesus. This should be the guy, this should be the one that is set apart, and yet he sold his birthright because a root of bitterness sprung up in his life. He, he, no one appreciates me, no one loves me. Sometimes it does feel that way. But the reality is God has called you and set you apart. I want to show you three things that can happen to your birthright because you have one. 
three things that you are allowed to do, three things that in the Old Testament we see as signs of what they did with their birthrights. One is you could double it. If you worked for your father long enough, if you stayed in your father's home long enough, you were able to take it and double it. That's how it could be worth four times as much. This was more than just your inheritance. This was your birthright. And it was massive and it was amazing and it was what was rightfully yours and so you could double it. You could do what he did and you could give it. Sell it is another word for give it. And then you could transfer it. And this is a big one because the transfer is not necessarily to one person. The transfer is to spread the wealth, spread what God has done, spread out and show his greatness. The transfer was unusual because it wasn't happening in many places, but Romans 8 gives us a picture of the transfer. Somebody say transfer. Transfer. There was a firstborn son whose name was Adam, and what he transferred to us was the seed of sin. The firstborn son named Adam brought sin into this world. Through Adam, all of us became sinners, but then there was another firstborn, the firstborn of all creation, the firstborn of God, who was seated on the right hand, who had no business coming to earth, who had no business being born of a virgin, who had no business coming down. But look at what Romans chapter 8 says. Right before this, it says, We know all things work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Next verse, for those whom he foreknew, he predestined, he predetermined a destiny for you to be conformed to the image of Jesus, to the image of his son. Watch, watch, this is so awesome. In order that he might be the firstborn. Somebody say firstborn. Say it again, say firstborn. firstborn. Of many brothers. That he might be the firstborn of many brothers. That, that the one that was truly worthy of the birthright because he was God's son. He was perfect in every way. There was nothing that God did not deserve. And yet he looks at us and he says to those who believe. To those who believe in John chapter 1, he gives the right to be called children of God, all firstborns, that we can have a birthright that is great. And the way that this happened is through his transfer. Look at what Colossians 1 says about the transfer. Verse 13 says, he's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred. Somebody say transferred. He didn't just take his birthright and say, you can get out of hell free. He transferred it so that you could have a destiny in Christ Jesus as well, so that you could walk in freedom, so that you couldn't, so that you don't have to give up your joy and peace and long suffering and all these other things, that the love of God can flow through you, that you cannot be defeated, but that you can live an undefeated life through Christ our Lord. It's not me, it's Christ in me that gives me my birthright. And he says that, that I'm no longer in the, in the darkness, in the domain that Adam, the firstborn, brought me in. But the next firstborn transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. And here's what I'm here to tell you today. There's not a person under the sound of my voice that doesn't have the right, that doesn't have the opportunity to have an amazing, amazing gift but there's not a person under the sound of my voice that doesn't have an opportunity to give it up. Yeah. That every one of you can have a birthright when you are reborn. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 3 when Nicodemus came to him at night. He said, what must I do to be saved? What does it look like? And he said, you must be born again. Why? Because when I'm born in my natural body, my birthright is death and destruction. But when I'm born in the spirit of God by trusting Jesus as my savior, my firstborn, my birthright becomes one like Christ. 
that he makes me like him, that he changes my heart, that he, that he, that he gives me his heart in exchange. His exchange, listen, don't miss this. His exchange, there had to be something. And it wasn't a bowl of beans that Jesus gave. It was his blood that he spilled. My birthright was exchanged blood for birthright. And the reality is now I can walk as a free man, not worrying about what you think, not worrying about what they think, but remembering that I've been called and set apart, changed, and been given a destiny in Christ Jesus. I don't have to worry if everybody else thinks I'm cool. I can remember how awesome God thought of me to send Jesus to die for me, how much he loved me to send Jesus to die for me. And he exchanged not a bowl for a birthright, but his blood for my birthright. What a great God we serve. I'm not a slave to sin. I'm not a slave to my past, and neither are you. We can stand up and walk into our destinies in Christ Jesus by remembering that the firstborn son of all creation died so that we could be set free. You don't have to be better, and you don't have to be bitter. You can walk in freedom because he's greater than all of our fears, all of our failures, all of our stuff. And today what I came to tell you is we don't have to give up our birthrights anymore for our crap, our bowls, our stuff, hoping that we can satisfy our daily needs. He satisfies all my needs. And we can step into what God has called us, which is far greater than we can imagine, by simply turning and walking with him. Will you pray with me? I feel like the spirit of the Lord is moving in this place, and I want to give you a chance to respond. Some of you walked in here, and you've never been born again. You've never trusted Jesus, said I want you to be my savior. I realize what you gave up for me. And I want you to have that opportunity right now. I want you to have that opportunity right now. Pastor, it feels like you're talking straight to me. And I'm ready to be born again, to be set free, to be saved. I need Jesus to save me so that I can be brand new in Christ. I want to give my heart and life to Jesus. If that's you in this room, I just want you to slip your hands up and say, man, it feels like you're talking straight to me. I want to follow Jesus. Come on, wherever you are in the room, don't let anything hold you back. Don't settle. Don't settle for where you currently are, for where God wants to bring you. Don't take hell instead of heaven. Don't take misery and a lack of joy for the joy and peace that God will give you. I want to trust Jesus as my Savior and Lord right now. Come on, just throw your hand up wherever you are and say, that's me, Pastor. That's me. I just want to pray for you guys in the room that are saved. For every person in the room that's saved, I'm not going to ask you to move. I feel like the Lord's moving on your heart, and this can be a private moment. So will everyone just stand with me? As we transition back into worship, I just want to pray this over you, Lord. I believe that there's so many that are ready to put down their bowls and pick up their birthright. And God, I just pray 2 Timothy 1.7 over them that you didn't give us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and self-discipline. That, that the self-discipline to see what's in front of us will begin to rise up within us and that we won't pick up the garbage that this world offers for the hope and the freedom that you've put in us. God, I pray that the love that you've put in us begins to explode out and the powerful man and woman of God leads their homes, leads at their workplaces, and people begin to see the change has sparked in us. Lord, we will not be a people that are defeated. We will walk undefeated in Christ Jesus. 
And Lord, I just pray that over every person in this room because we aim to please and follow you with our whole hearts. Thank you for freedom in Christ. We love you, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen.